Turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua. I mean, the book of Judges. I'm sorry, book of Judges. And we're going to be looking at three chapters this morning, and I want to make some just some general comments about this. Uh, first of all, um, 17 through 21 is not a chronological um, story of what's going on here in the children of Israel. It really started in chapter 1. The, we talked about the hoop of life that's rolling down through generations uh, of people who living for God and then they turn away and then they uh, get themselves in trouble and then they cry out to God and then God sends help and then they get back on track again and then it's just this wheel that's continually rolling and it's just rolling down through the centuries. We're not any different than... Um, than the people were in Israel at this time. I have called this message this morning, uh, The Disgrace of a Nation. The Disgrace of a Nation. We'll look at these three chapters and then the next two chapters next week, and then we will be done with the book of Judges. Let me, let me say this real quick, if I can. Um, don't sit at home on Wednesday nights and just rest. We have some of the finest Bible teaching that goes on around here. We, we've got more good Bible teachers in our church than a lot of churches have. We've heard from some of them already. We've got others that we haven't even heard from yet. We could have somebody different every week, and uh, it would just be amazing uh, what you would learn uh, just opening God's Word and having God's men stand up and speak. We, we just have some really good stuff. David Humphreys is in the middle of some uh, prophetic stuff now. I know, look, I know it's heavy, and it, but it just, it's important. And then I'll be getting into some other after that, and we haven't even heard from Paul and Tony yet. So, you know, they're, they're, that's coming. So uh, just a lot of really good Bible teaching going on on Wednesdays. It's just pure Bible teaching. We just get up, open the Bible, teach. And so just, just, um, just, just think about coming over and giving it a try. Uh, I, I don't think you will be disappointed. Uh, the, the book of Judges, uh, really the, the time of the Judges has ended. It ended with Samson. And what we have now here is just an overview. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of the kinds of things that were going on in the nation of Israel at the time. Now keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this is Israel. This, this is not the Amorites, this is not the Philistines, this is not all the nations that are around Israel. These things are happening in Israel. God's chosen people, Israel, okay? So, um, I want to look at, and I, I, I want to start by saying this right here. Let me just say this right here. Um, America is in spiritual, spiritual decline and has been for some time. Uh, there haven't been very many nations along the way. As a matter of fact, there haven't been any nations along the way who uh, followed after God and somewhere along the way didn't start declining. I'm going to give you this morning the key, the thing that has caused all of that. Now, I, I have grown up and been around a while, been in church all my life. I, I, I understand the worship wars, okay? I do. Some people like this, some people like that. A lot of the worship wars have more to do with preference than it does anything, okay? But the fact of the matter is, if a nation is declining spiritually, it begins with a departure from the Word of God, okay? So that's where we're at. Just, just think about it for a moment. We can point fingers all we want to. The fact of the matter is, it begins with a departure from the Word of God. So here's how a nation falls. Here how, here's how a nation moves into this matter of disgrace, okay? Number one, it begins with, it begins in the church. It begins in the teaching and the departure from the Word of God, Okay? So if, if you, we have somebody up here preaching, he's not preaching the Word of God, we start believing that, we start embracing that. It moves then at that point into the family, into the individual, into the family, okay? So a nation that's in decline, it will always begin with a departure from the Word of God. It creeps into the family, it creeps into individuals, 
And then it creeps into the nation. So goes the family, so goes the nation. So goes the church, so goes the nation. And so if you want a pretty good outline of what's going on here, chapter 17 and 18 is a picture of religious apostasy. Apostasy is that word that means a falling away or moving away from something. So it begins with um, um, idolatry, okay, idolatry. Then it moves into chapter 19, we'll see moral awfulness. Moral awfulness. And then in chapters 20 and 21 next week, we will see political anarchy. Now, you say, well, Gary, what stage is America in? America's in the stage of political anarchy. Okay? We've departed from the Word of God. We have embraced false teaching. We have created idols for ourselves right out of our homes, right of everything else other than God. And now our nation is headed towards spiritual and political anarchy. Chapter 17, it's what's going on here. Chapter 18, it's what's going on over there. Chapter 19, it's what's going on over yonder. Okay? So what you got is a picture of this mishmash of, of lifestyle that's going on in this nation of Israel. Okay? Remember, all this is happening in Israel. Now, as we've been studying through the book of Judges, you'll remember that chapters 1 and 2 had to do with Israel's compromise, okay? So, so the outline of the book of Judges, Israel's compromise, chapter 1 and 2. Chapter 3 through 16 is Israel's consequences. And if there's one thing that you can say about the nation of Israel during this time is, over and over and over again, God sells them into slavery, Okay, the consequences of their departure from the Word of God, a departure from God being their leader and them taking their instructions from God, the Bible pretty well just makes it plain when it says there was no king in Israel and everybody did what they thought was right in their own eyes. Everybody doing their own thing, okay? What we'll see in chapter 17 through 21 is Israel's collapse. Israel's collapse. When a nation departs from the Word of God, and a, and, and a nation doesn't wake up to the consequences, by the way, that spanking, that reminder that God gives us along the way that we need to bring us back on track, the thing that we can look forward to and know is we will have national collapse. The nation will collapse. Because of a departure from the Word of God. Now, let me tell you something. How important is God's Word? It's the key, ladies and gentlemen. It's the key to the whole thing. So here it is. They have now surrendered to the Canaanite culture. I'm just going to go through some things here because I want to share some things with you as we go along. So, so we're not going to read a whole lot of it, but look at what he says in, in, uh, beginning in chapter 17. There was a man from the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, so let me just tell you the story. You had 1,100 silver coins, and they disappeared. And so um, I heard you in my own hearing I heard you pronounce a curse on the person that took it. I took it. And here it is. Now, something interesting happens here because his mother said, May the Lord bless you, my son. What she should have done is turned him over her knee and given him a good dose of the Board of Education to his backside, right? Bible says sin is a reproach to any man. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any man. So now she has become part of the problem herself. You see what's happening here? You see where Israel has become. This guy is stolen from his mother. Some people believe in the neighborhood of $50,000. He brings it back to her. Because of a guilty conscience or whatever, he doesn't want this curse to fall on him that he's heard his mother pronounce. 
And here's what his mother says to him in verse 3. After he turned these 1,100 silver coins to his mother, his mother said, I've certainly consecrated the silver to the Lord. For my son to make a carved idol and a terebinth, which is what some of your translations say, but basically a carved idol and a, a, uh, a metal idol is what that is, okay? So, so he's got wooden idols, he has uh, carved idols, he has idols that have gone through the smelting pot and have been fashioned, and he's got a whole house full of them, okay? I, I, I think she probably misspoke when she said, May the Lord bless my son, because the Lord that I know said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. This is the God of Israel, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about here. He returns them. She um, turns 200 of them over to a silversmith. He carves an idol and a metal idol, and they're put in the house of Micah. So now Michael's got a house full of his gods, right? This man, Micah, owned a shrine. He made an ephod. An ephod, ladies and gentlemen, was something that only the priest wore. And it was a holy article. It was consecrated to God. He put this thing on when he was ministering to the children of Israel. It had 12 stones on it, which carries with the idea that when the priest had this ephod on, he carried the children of Israel on his heart. There were six stones on this shoulder, six stones on that shoulder, which carried the idea that this priest carried the nation of Israel on his shoulders. They had a pocket that had the umen and the thumen in it, which are just, we don't know what it is, other than we know that they would reach into that pouch when they were asking God to give them an answer, and they pulled out one of them, it was one answer, he pulled out another, it was another. They were to- totally dependent on God to, 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 to help them. And now this guy makes his own, okay? He has, he doesn't like the religion of, of Yahweh. He don't like the religion of Jehovah. So you know, he just starts his own religion. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't give me that bloody religion of this sacrifice of animals. Give me something, give me something that's, that, that's easier to digest, something that's easier to swallow. Don't, don't, don't tell me that, uh, you know, um, all I got to do to be saved is believe. Give me something to do. Well, the fact of the matter is, the Christian life can be summarized in the word done, not do. So his mother is blessing him now. She's all in it herself. And can I just say this right here? Parents, grandparents, part of the decline in our nation is because we have failed to teach our children. You say, well, prove that to me. Okay, I will. Look at chapter 18 with me just for a minute. I'm going to throw this. This is a side note, okay? Chapter 18, verse 30. I'm going to show you something. This is going to knock your socks off. The children of Dan, Dan being one of the tribes of Israel, and we'll get back to him in just a moment. The children of Dan set up the carved idols for themselves. Okay? So, so what happened is, and we'll look at the story, but, but, but the tribe of Dan, um, they go and take this nation Laish, or, or this city Laish, and uh, so they, they go in there, they, they start their um, uh, everyday life, and so they set up for themselves these idols. Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were the priests to the tribe of Dan. Now, hang on just for a moment, okay? John, listen to this. Jonathan, Jonathan, which would be the grandson of Gershom, which would be the son of Moses. 
two generations away. He said, well, mine says Manethus. And you said, well, mine says Moses. So, let me, so here, let me ask you a question. Does it diminish our ability to understand salvation at all? Does it make any difference whatsoever in the, 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 the matter of salvation? No. Then it don't matter. Is it a misprint? Is it, it, there may be some understanding there we don't know, but I'm telling you, most people believe that it's not Manasseh, it is Moses. Because if you were to go over and you were to study the descendants of Moses, there is a son in there by the name of Gershom. Two generations away from Moses himself. Think about this for a moment. One of two things happened, ladies and gentlemen. Either Moses spent all of his time preaching and teaching and taking care of the children of Israel and totally neglected his own family, or he taught them and they just couldn't stomach it. That's not what they wanted. So, so don't tell me that us not teaching our children, us not, us not working with our children and speaking uh, with our children about these things is not that important. America is not lacking in religion. That's not our problem. Here's the philosophy of America today as a whole. All religions are good. Every religion points to heaven. Every religion is going to take us to the same place. It's what's called religious syncretism. Do you know what the word syncretism really means? Hash. It's just a bunch of this and a bunch of that. Now, I'm going to ask every one of you, I'm going to ask every one of you a very important question. I hope that the Holy Spirit won't let you run out from under this one so quick. Okay? And then I'm going to ask you another question. But number one, is there anything that you have taught your children or are teaching your children that can't be verified in the Word of God. And I'm going to go a little farther than that. And, and staff, y'all better get ready for this one. Is there anything we do as a church in everything that we do, whatever it is, from what we teach to what we preach to the songs that we sing, they can't be verified by this. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I hope, I hope there's not any of that. But if there is, you know what we got to do? We got to get rid of it. We got to get rid of it. I, I, hey, it may feel good. may sound good. may, may, may um, make you feel good about yourself. But the fact of the matter is, if it can't be verified by this, it's wrong. And, and we, have, we have the potential at that point to be teaching false doctrine. You see, the critical question for the Christian life is, is it true? That's the critical question. Is it true? Not, does it feel good? Not, do I like it? Because the fact of the matter is, you read this book all the way through, there'll be a whole lot in here you don't like. And this morning, this may very well be one of them. But it's the truth. And so, and so they have departed from the Word of God. So this man makes an ephod for himself. And not only that, he ordains one of his own sons to be his priest. Okay? Just like I said, just, just running through some things real quick. And so um, he takes one of his own sons and he uh, brings him into his household. He makes him a priest. And then it tells us in those days there was no king in Israel, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. There was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah. Another guy starts coming, and, and look, we're going to, Paul called it the parentheses this morning, parentheses of what's not there, but let's put some parentheses in here. We'll tell it like this. He was a Levite from Judah. He was not of the line of Aaron, which disqualified him from being a priest. 
He's a Levite, but he was not of the right line to be a priest. Y'all with me? So now all of a sudden, you got Micah who's feeling kind of, uh, kind of squeamish because somebody's going to say, well, you know, you called your son, and your son uh, has become your priest. And so this other guy comes from Benjamin in Judah. He's a Levite from Judah. And he stayed as a resident foreigner there. The man went from the city of Bethlehem to Judah to stay wherever he could find, and let me just say it like this, a job. Did you know that today in America there will be a hundred pastors standing in a pulpit and resign? hundred and there will be a majority of them ladies and gentlemen that will resign because they're going to a bigger church with more money the man went from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house everybody's showing up at Micah's house for some reason or another where do you come from I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I'm going to stay wherever I can find a place. If you're here visiting this morning, and you ever have the opportunity to sit on a pulpit committee, if you ever get a resume from a guy and he sends it himself, throw it in the garbage. He's looking for a job. Y'all hear me? Y'all awfully quiet this morning. It's not fun to get a spanking, is it? And so he calls this man to be his priest. Now look at what he says to him. I'll give you ten silver coins, a set of clothes, and food. A set of clothes there, if you'll notice, is in the pearl, so it means I will give you, I'll, I'll take, care of your, take care of your clothes. Dr. Vines um, is a great alliterator, and here's what he said. You'll come to work for me, I'll give you a salary, a suit, and some soup. Preaching for pay, preaching for the benefits, and preaching for a meal. The Levite decided to live with that man. That's interesting. Why? Yeah, why wouldn't he? He don't have a job. He's out looking for a job. He's a He's a preacher for hire. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. God help the church, any church, that will call a man who will say what the higher-ups in the church hire him to say. That will preach a message that they want to hear. Can I show you something? Hey, can we, can we jump around for a minute? Good. We're going to anyway. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy, if you would, maybe just for a minute. The book of Deuteronomy. That, that's the wrong book. Second Chronicles. We'll get to Deuteronomy. Second Chronicles chapter 18. Second Chronicles chapter 18. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Ahab was the king of Israel. Y'all remember after um, uh, Solomon died, the, the nation split. Jeroboam, Rehoboam, all those guys became kings. And the, the king of the north set up some different places for people to go and worship. Okay? One of those, by the way, if you read through this narrative here, is... Good grief, is it already 1130? Um, it's is from the tribe of Dan which is where one of the idols was set up. Okay, you can go there today uh, to Israel, and that place is still there. There's a rock still there with, a, um, with an enclosure, a steel enclosure, where those idols used to set on that rock in the tribe of Dan. Now, now look at this for a moment. Verse 1. Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor. He married into the family of Ahab. 
At the end of some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab slaughtered a great amount of sheep and oxen for Jehoshaphat, and those who journeyed with him, and they uh, lured him up to Ramoth-Gilead. King Ahab of Israel said to King Jehoshaphat of Judah, Will you go up with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he responded, I'm with you. I'm with your people. We'll go to war with you. Jehoshaphat further said to the king of Israel, here it is, listen, inquire of the Lord what we should do. Y'all with me? And in and, and my translation is inquire today the word of the Lord. Let's go before God and let's see what God tells us to do. So the king of Israel gathered together 400 prophets. And he inquired from them, should I go up to Ramoth Gilead for battle or should I cease from the... Can I just say, can I say something to y'all? People who are looking for a word from God, a specific word from God, a word that they want to hear from God, and somebody who don't mind telling them what they want to hear, some way, somehow, always find each other. Is that true? Okay. Just telling you. I'm going to go with you. But you know what? Let's, let's inquire of God first. So he calls all of his 400 prophets. He inquires from them. Should I go up to Ramoth Gilead for battle? Or should I see some of this? They said, hey, go up. For God will give this into your hand. That ain't true. They're just, this is Ahab. And Ahab know, they know how Ahab feels about people who don't tell, who tell him what he don't want to hear. We're going to see one here in just a minute. I know this is long, but hang with me. This is good stuff. So here it is. He got 400 right there, and Jehoshaphat says, Jehoshaphat's not real sure. So he says, uh, isn't there just one more that we may inquire from the Lord? The king of Israel responded to Jehoshaphat, there's, there's one man from whom we can seek the Lord, but I hate him. Because he does not prophesy anything good for me, but always disaster. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Jehoshaphat said, may the king not speak of this. Here's what he said. Shut up and call the guy. Pretty much. Okay. The king of Israel called to a court, a eunuch, and said, Hurry and bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their own thrones. Now watch this. Sitting on their own thrones. They are, they, they're, they're sitting up there as kings, as rulers over the nation of Israel. They're clothed in their royal garments at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. All the prophets were prophesying before them. Then Zedekiah, the son of Kenah, made for himself iron horns and he said, Thus saith the Lord, with these you will thrust out the uh, Arameans in Syria until they are all finished. Right on down the line, they're just going. So this messenger goes, he calls Micaiah and says to him, The words of the prophets are as one voice. Everybody's saying this, everybody's teaching this. The, the majority must be right. So here's what we want you to do. When you go and he asks you, we just want you to speak favorably. Go tell him what he wants to hear. Tony, David, Paul, all you guys that teach, may this become your mantra. As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord speaks, that's what I will say. Not what you want me to say. I will stand up and I will declare, thus saith the Lord. Okay? He came to the king. The king said to him, Micaiah, should we go up to Ramoth Gilead for battle? Or should I cease? And he said, now listen to this. You got to kind of give it the tone. Sure. 
Go up there. Everything's going to be successful. They're going to be given into your hands. The king said to him, these many times I have called you. How many times must I cause you to swear that you speak to me only truth in the name of the Lord? Then he said, here it is. I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep that have no shepherd. The Lord said, there are no masters for them. Let each man return to his own home in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? So the prophet said, Now hear the word of the Lord. Now think about it. These guys are sitting on their own thrones. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. I saw somebody more powerful than you. I saw somebody above you. I saw somebody better than you. And look at this. He was surrounded by his host as well. Now hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. The heavenly assembly was standing at his right and on his left. And the Lord said, look at this. Who will deceive Ahab, the king of Israel, so that he might go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? One was saying one thing. One was saying another thing. Then a spirit came out and stood before the Lord. He said, I'll I'll deceive him. Now look, God knows everything, okay? But this is part of the narrative. So, okay, how? Listen to this. I will go out and be a spirit of deception in the mouth of all the prophets. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure that what you are hearing And that what you are listening to lines up with the Word of God. Because there's a spirit out there who's deceiving those people to say to you and tell you those things that you want to hear. And here's what he said. The Lord has declared disaster over you. And Kaniah, Micaiah, got struck on the cheek by Zedekiah. Then Micaiah said, he said, Yo, who, who, when, when did he do that to you? You'll see it on the day that you enter the inner chamber to hide yourself. The king of Israel said to, now I'm just going to tell the story if it's okay. So they throw Micaiah in prison. For telling the truth. It's coming. It's coming. It's already happening in other parts of the world. It's here. Throwing them in jail for telling the truth. So they go to battle. Ahab is kind of a schemer. He says, look, Jehoshaphat, you you put on all of your royal robes and I'm going to dress up just like one of the soldiers and kind of hide in the group. Because here's what, here's what Micaiah had said to him. He said, listen. Because he told him, he said, listen, when I come back, I'll take care of him. And Micaiah says to him, if you come back, then the Lord hadn't spoken this. Okay? How'd you like to hear that? Now, now look, I'm telling you. So the, the, the nation surrounds Jehoshaphat. And the Bible said Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, and the Lord helped him. You got Ahab over here. He's hiding out with the troops. Now think about this for a moment. If, 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 you, if you return, then the Lord hadn't spoken to me. Do y'all know the story? Y'all know what's about to happen? So he, they start dispersing. They start going home. And one of the soldiers of an enemy has one arrow left. And here's how the King James Version translates. And at a venture. Basically, that just means indiscriminately, he said, well, I've got one arrow left. He pulls it out. Pew, turns it loose. You know who it hit? Ahab. Ahab. Folks, let me tell you something. God's word is true. Let God be true and every man be a liar. 
If God's Word doesn't substantiate what you're being taught and you can't line it up with the Word of God, then it is false teaching. All right, I've got to hurry. So you have this man who ordains this guy to be his priest. The Danites, look at this, because you could go actually to chapter 1 and verse uh, 34, and it talks about the area that God had given Dan, but Dan wouldn't go in there and take it. So chapter 18 is about them going to find something that's a little bit easier. Think about that for a moment, a little bit easier. Oh, man, we found this place over here, and let's, let's get up and go get it. Well, along the way, they wind up back at Micah's house, for crying out loud. And they hear this priest talking, and they recognize his voice, and they say, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Well, you know, I, I came over here, and Micah hired me, and I'm his priest, and he's giving me some clothes, and he's giving me a salary, and he's giving me something to eat. And, and, and listen, here's what they said to him. Come and go with us. We'll give you more money, and you can preach to a bigger crowd. You, you think it don't say that? Read it. Now, that's a King Gary translation, but still, you know. That's what, that's what happened. And so he leaves, and he goes with him. And then Michael goes running after them. Because not only, not only did they steal his priests, they stole his gods too. And Micah comes running after them and says, you took all my guys. And they say, be quiet or we're going to shut you up. And he's got 600 warriors with him, so obviously he goes back home. Now listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very, very, very carefully. When I get down here, if you're visiting, when I come down here, that means you better pay attention. I'm about to say something. What does it take... For somebody to steal your trust in God. It's a pretty puny God that you're serving that can be stolen. I stole my gods. <laughs> I can't imagine. But you know what we do a lot of times? We just... We lose our trust and our faith every day because we're afraid somebody's going to say something or somebody's going to say something we don't agree with or we just, we, we, we're just quiet. You are complicit, ladies and gentlemen, as believers in Jesus Christ, as a member of the kingdom of the living God, when injustices are done and when false teaching is being taught and when things are going on that are unspiritual and you don't speak up. Saying nothing is saying something. Okay? Y'all with me so far? All right. Y'all care if I finish? All right. First of all, you have a family in chapter 17 who's just totally trashed the Ten Commandments. Stealing and false idols and idol worship and all that kind of stuff. The theme for really the whole book of Judges is that the authority of God is removed. A man sets the standards for life and belief. Human opinion takes the place of God's truth. The social insanity that takes place in the 18th chapter, when a nation falls apart spiritually, it will also fall apart socially. The tribe of Dan was looking for something easy. And by the way, while we're at it, Go over to the book of Genesis with me just for a moment, real quickly. Hey, you know what? We're just taking it. We're, we're, we're tiptoeing through the scripture this morning, aren't we? Chapter 49, verse 16. Here's Dan. Y'all know Samson was from the tribe of Dan, too? Samson was a Danite. Look at this. Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. He, he made an attempt at doing that. Now, now let me tell you. Let me give you the context of this. Jacob is about to die. And he is speaking to his sons, his 12 sons, as to what their lot in life will be. Can you imagine standing there as Dan 
And your daddy who's dying on his deathbed says, Dan shall be a serpent by the road and a viper on the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider will fall backward. You know what that means? Dan, the Bible says, tried to judge Israel through his own tribe. And the fact of the matter is, what he was judging them, what he was teaching them was pure poison. When, when false teaching comes along and people are telling things that, that aren't true and can't be substantiated by the Word of God, then you know what happens? It poisons you. It poisons you. Well, the last one is really something. Chapter 19 is really something because here you have, you have a Levite who marries a concubine. She leaves him. She runs off and does her thing. He goes back after her. And, and it doesn't say this here, but the context and, 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 and studying the language and all that kind of stuff. Basically, her father was glad to see him. They had uh, got drunk almost every night. Because the dad didn't want to leave. Hey, stay here. And let's just have a party. Let's just, you know, whatever it is. And the fact of the matter is, is that finally he said, we got to go. Now listen to this very carefully. I've got, we've got to get through this. So, they come to this city, Gibbeth. They wouldn't stay in Jerusalem because Jerusalem at the time was under the Jebusites. So Israel didn't have control of Jerusalem at the time. So they go to Gibbeth, which is part of the tribe of Benjamin, who was the favorite son, by the way. They're going to go into the city square. And they're just going to spend the night there. Another man comes along and he said, listen, y'all can't, you can't stay out here at night. Too dangerous out here on the streets. So they, they just moved to Gibbeth. Let's go to this place and I'm just trying to scan through. I know that this is verse 16, chapter 19. Just then an old man came, came in at evening time from his work in the field. The man was from the hill country of Ephraim, so he lived as a resident farter in Gibbeth. But the townspeople were Benjamites. Benjamites, Israel. He looked up and saw the tribe of the city square. The old man said, where, where are you going? Where are you coming from? He talks about all these things. Hey, we've got this, 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 and this. We can take care of everything. We just need some place to stay. Verse 20. The old man said, don't worry, I'll take care of whatever you need. Just don't spend the night in the city square. So he brought him into his house. He gave him food, gave food to his donkeys. They washed their feet, they ate, and they drank. While they were enjoying themselves, the men of the city, who were wicked men, surrounded the house and pounded on the door. Does it remind you of something else? Reminds you of Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked city. Full of wicked people. They didn't know God. Gibbeth was under the protection of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin. Can I just say this? These were church folk. Bring out the men. Bring out the men. So, who came to your house so that we can have relations with him? Master of the house went out and said, no, no, no. Now listen, here, here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. There is a teaching out there, and I had, to get to, I had to get to this one. This may stun your sensibilities. You may be mad at me. That's okay. I'm going to tell you the truth just real quick. Because there is a teaching out there that homosexuality is a viable lifestyle. Okay? 
and that the Bible doesn't speak contrary to that lifestyle. Let me show you something. No, my brothers, don't commit this evil act. Circle that. It is an evil act. That's what the Bible calls it. It's an evil act. But that's not all. Not after this man is coming to my house. Do not commit this disgrace. It is an evil act. It is disgraceful. Here are my virgin daughters and this man's concubine. Let me bring them out to you. Ravish them. Do them as you please. But do not commit this vile act. I didn't make that up, ladies and gentlemen. That's in the book. Look at it. Read it. That's what it says. And I would be shirking my responsibility if I didn't tell you the truth, if I didn't set some of you straight on that matter. It is disgraceful. It is a vile act. That would never happen in America. Let me tell you what happens. So this man, this Levite, this priest, opens the door, throws this woman out the door. The Bible says they raped her all night long. When they got up in the morning, she was laying there in the doorway. This man kicks her as he goes by and says, get up, we got to go. She was dead. She was dead. That would never happen in America, would it? Well, let me tell you something worse than that. He left with her. When he got her home, he cut her up into 12 pieces, mutilated her, and sent her with a note to all the other tribes in Israel and got them all stirred up. And I can't imagine the lie that the note had on it when they got there. We'd never do that. I wish I had two hours. Uh, just hang with me just for a moment. But, but we're too refined. We're too refined. We, we, we would never do anything like that. Have you ever seen a picture of a partial birth abortion? Where they tear babies limb from limb? Birth everything but the head. Stick a pair of scissors up in there in the skull and just open it up. Or, or, or pour, pour a saline solution in there and the baby just burns up inside the womb. And by the way, if that's not bad enough, the discussion we're having now is if a woman can have a baby full term, full birth, lay it out on a table, give it comfort until the mother decides if she wants it or not. No, the world ain't going to hear that. I'll tell you something even worse. Now, look, I haven't substantiated whether this is true or not. You can look it up. You can do whatever you want to do. There are, there are people that say this is not true, and there are people who verify that it is. Now, I'm just going to throw this one out to you, and you can... I've done some research. There's a lot of evidence that it is true. That in China today... China today they have what we might call spare rib soup and if you've seen pictures or if you look at pictures in that bowl with chicken broth and chicken is a little fetus And the reason they say that they put the chicken with it is to cover up the stench. But the fact of the matter is, whether it's true, whether it's not true, there's, there's a lot of evidence that it probably that could be. 
the, the number one thing that they eat that for is for sexual virility. They believe it makes them more sexual. Ladies and gentlemen, the children of Israel and America have been Canaanized. We have been conquered by our culture. Now let me give you one last verse, verse 30. Why don't you look at this with me? Because here it is. Everybody who saw this said, Nothing like this has been done or seen since the day the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt until today. And there are three words here. Here they are. Let me give them to you. Ladies and gentlemen, what do we do as believers? Number one, consider it. Don't brush it aside. Don't throw it away. Consider it. It's real. It's on us. Take your blinders off. And start paying attention. Consider it. Second thing, take counsel. Go to God's Word. What does God's Word say about it? And lastly... Speak up. That's just flat wrong. So let me ask you a question. And I'm done. I didn't mean for it to be that long, but I just, you know what? I had to do it. Because, I, because it brings me to this question. Everybody sitting here, think for just a moment. I want you to think for just a moment. Do you want your children to grow up and have the same kind of faith you've got? Maybe time to get some things straight. Maybe time to start considering some things and going to God's Word and getting our instruction there. You know what? If you've never been saved, you can't help yourself. It's just in you. But that's God's word. And, and you know what? The Bible says it doesn't return unto him void. If you've been convicted in your heart because of your lifestyle and you've never been saved, you know what? Today's a great day to do that. Just be saved. Well, here, how do I do that? Well, believe. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work.